106.1, the sister stations, streaming worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. As always, you can check out Facebook.com backslash NerdThugRadio. That's where the magic happens, and um, we believe in magic right here at uh, NerdThug Radio. Yeah, wizards. Um, that's right. This is Corey DLG. With me, as always, is little brother Nico. That's me, a wizard. Are you a wizard? Uh, like a minor level one, yeah. You're a wizard, Harry! That's my uh, British accent. I mean, it's not the worst one I've heard. Yeah, I do some pretty bad accents. Yeah, you're notoriously bad at that. Uh, I would like to think that I am celebrated bad at it, not notorious. Eh, basically the same thing. I, I would like to think that people get excited when they know I'm about to do a terrible accent. Not that they are like, this guy is known in a negative connotation for his bad accents. I don't know, man. I don't know about that one. Listen, it's words and it matters. Um, <laughs> this is uh, Nerd Thug Radio. We are right here on a Friday afternoon. It's 2 o'clock and we are ready to party like rock stars. Well, I'm ill prepared for that. Um, I just brought are... chips and dip. I didn't I didn't know we were rock star partying. I, yeah. I thought this was like an office building party. Yeah, when I said chips and dip, those were the names of the strippers you were supposed to bring. Oh yeah, that's why yeah. the headphone numbers on the back makes sense. Right, right. Mm. But I mean, listen, snacks are always helpful. You know. Yeah, I mean, like, party without food is no party at all, right? That's not true. But I do understand the spirit of your sentence. Yeah, look, wizard. See, <laughs> you're a wizard, Harry. I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> we keep wanting to come back to your really bad British accent. Haggard impression, one of the two. He's I mean, he doesn't not, really it's sound not even Haggard. Like it doesn't even sound a little bit like him. It sounds like Haggard's drunk, sad <laughs> uncle. Like it's not even sad grid. Sagrid. <laughs> that was pretty good. Oh, uh, that was one of your better ones. All right. Thank you. Um, there's a little bit going on in the world of pop culture that we can get to. Yes, like the creation of Sagrid. <laughs> That's right. Make shirts, people. Make shirts. Um, <laughs> uh, let's do this first. Okay, so Mortal Kombat is debuting today on HBO Max, yeah, as well as in be. theaters. Um, so if you've got two hours and want to watch some vicious murdering, schedule it. Schedule this is it. like this is like the greatest thing that could have ever happened to video game movies. Where we're waiting. We've been waiting for this one. Mortal Kombat story is so convoluted, it's perfect for a movie. <laughs> Mortal Kombat is one of the very few fighting games that actually has a legitimate story worth following. That and Injustice. Injustice is probably a little bit better, and that's why they've done like nine volumes of an Injustice comic book. Right. But uh, Mortal Kombat is definitely exciting. It definitely is. There's um, so many characters. More importantly than just how many characters are, which you're right, at in the later games, when like if you go to the arcade, there's like forty open characters on it. And you're like, oh my, oh my god! Like, are those seven robots that look the same but are all different colors? Like, why? Yep, and they're technically all different people. Right. Um, I definitely think the at its core, Mortal Kombat has a really neat story. The tournament between the realities to determine which one is like the prime reality or whatever. I, I think that's cool. Um, yeah. 
I think that alone is enough to kind of base the movie on, which is great. They've talked about how this movie is designed to set up a trilogy of movies. Um, and a couple of the actors have now come forward and said that they're actually signed to multiple movies. Um, so get excited. But, like, I don't know how obscure I want them to go into the character vault. Like, they don't really have to go that far. I mean, like, you can really just keep it core with, like, Liu Kang and Sub-Zero and Raiden. Because those are really your predominant characters. And, like, obviously, like, Shao Kahn is, like, the villain. And then there's, like, three major villains. And then there's, like, a few main characters. And then there's, like, the fun side ones, like, uh, I was going to say Johnny Cash. Uh, Johnny, Johnny Cage. Cage. Yeah. Sonya Blaze and like Sonya Blaze, Jax. So like, and like you don't have to go that far because like, I know like literally I think I think it was Mortal Kombat nine or ten had like unironically had like four or five hours of cutscenes. Did it really? Yeah, like it's like there's a ton of content. Like if you want to talk about like. The amount of, like, story that's actually in a Mortal Kombat game is, like, they have so much to work with. There's so much there already. I didn't realize it was that. I mean, I know, like, every fighter has their own story in the game, which I think is interesting. I think that's kind of a cool way to do it. I don't know how necessary it is, and that's sort of the problem. Right. Mortal Kombat has done a Mortal Kombat's like a narrative, almost. Right. Like, you play as things progress. Like, in the latest game, like, Liu Kang dies and, like, gets reincarnated as, like, one of the next universe's, like, fire gods. So he goes back and, like, takes the place of Raiden and, like, starts a new universe. What? Yeah. What the actual F? Um, It's cool. Well, the one thing I like about the video games of Mortal Kombat, though, is they've done a good job of staying pop-culturally relevant by doing these interesting crossovers over the last 10 years or so where they've kind of stopped taking themselves so serious yeah there's some really campy stuff like rambo rambo terminator they did a whole game with the uh dc characters jason Um, Voorhees, john jason freddy krueger they're all in the alien alien the predators they've done a lot with this game in that sense where they put these people on. I think even Sarah Connor and other people are in the game now. Like, yeah, it's great. Like, it's just like, it's like super schlocky and like super fun. It's, it, it's embraced the campiness of the franchise, which I think is kind of crucial to doing. Uh, yeah. Cause if it was, it took itself seriously all the time forever. It would just get boring. Yeah. You can't have 20 years of like, no, no, we definitely kill people. Only and Mortal, violence. And Mortal Kombat has kind of always embraced the silliness of what they're doing. I think, you know, I think it was by the third one they had introduced, like, the friend the friend zone or the frenemy or whatever it was called, where instead of a fatality, it was like a friendly finish. Yeah, and, like, you, like, um, became friends and, like... Right. They would, like, build like a bear or something. Or, yeah, yeah, like, play a know. game together. Uh, build a bear. I don't know what I was thinking there. <laughs> That would be kind of a fun. They go one. to Build a Bear Workshop. You watch the <laughs> like, whole thing. You, you watch them. Like... You watch them wait in line and stuff. The bear. <laughs> it's like forty-five minutes long. They build their own little bear, and then the other guy, like the other one, pays for it. Like you can have it. No, you can have it. Yeah, I think that would be a great. That's a great friend to me. Like I think that's a great one. Um, but overall, they've they've 
they've kind of always embraced the fact that they were over the top on purpose. And so Right, yeah. I mean it's, itself... it's one of the it's one of the games that caused the entirety of the rating system to even exist. That's true. That was a did did we both watch that documentary where it's that and then the weird vampire home invasion game on Yeah, Snatcher. <laughs> whatever it was called. On a uh, on Sega CD, yeah, man, yeah, that was maybe deal, and then it was totally never even. It wasn't good. Uh, was there like four games that were? I can't even think of any games that were made for it. Sonic CD, that game slaps. Honestly, I think like, the three. I think the three DO had more games than Sega CD. I mean, probably on on ironically, I think so. I think you're right. There's not that many Sega CD games, and most of them are really weird, like motion video games yeah because it was kind of a weird moment in video games where they were kind of going for some other stuff but well, more that, and it was an expansion for the genesis which at that point was like what four years old or something like that but they had really kind of tapped into some odd stuff in the sense that like they were they were pursuing other ways to make video games like that was sort of the yeah they were like that was like the experimental phase right like this was the intro to like anything can be a video game um. Yeah, I think like uh, it was something with an N. Yeah, we watch. haven't. I don't know. We haven't totally moved away from that overall. I mean, um, no. I think I think as especially as like the internet keeps getting bigger and bigger, like well, and now these indie games can literally platform onto the PlayStation Store or the Xbox Store and stuff like that. I think that that right, yeah, or just release on their own. Right, but that's what I mean. But like, they can totally just be on the PlayStation Store. Like that's. That's a huge thing. Like, I mean, just think about it right now. Yeah, in terms of like accessibility. Yeah, think about the number of PlayStation. Well, I mean, like, you, you want to know something crazy is that Sega Sega had a service like that way back in the. <laughs> they did. There was a channel you could click on, and if you paid money, Sega would send games to your. But that was a. It just wasn't developed. Is the problem like they were a little I mean, too? Ahead it was. Of their time. They were too ahead of their time because considering that wouldn't be a feature for the next like. I don't know, 20 years almost. Yeah, 20 years later, and they're like, I think we can stream video games. And Sega's like, we know. <laughs> we we know, know. We tried when people were still using cartridges. <laughs> but that the was internet like, wasn't even widely available yet. <laughs> that was, what game was it in that one documentary where they were talking about how they put the chip in the cartridge to make, the, to make 3D possible? Was it Star oh, Fox? Yeah, Star Fox. Like... They were still doing experimental stuff with the cartridges at that point, and Sega's like, "Yeah, we're we're into streaming." <laughs> they hadn't even finished maximizing cartridges, and Sega was like, "We moved on." <laughs> Sega Sega's like is like hilariously ahead of its time, and then like it keeps biting them like in the butt for it. Yeah, Sega is definitely the I would say the case study for for what uh, what it means when someone's ahead of their time, like. So I really wanted to do a digital comic book 20 plus years ago. Um, I, the first couple of conventions I went to, I really, really talked to some guys about it because they were just coming out with kind of the apps to do it. And I do recall uh, this information. And one of them was Comixology was just launching, but Comixology was totally just independent comic books and they weren't owned by Amazon yet. They were literally just their own little thing. And I actually met the guys pitching it because I sat in on one of the panels in New York. And I remember talking to them about it afterwards, and I was like, 
I was like, man, it'd be really cool if you guys were like an indie studio of some kind, like for y'all to do stuff. And they were like, oh, we haven't really thought about that because their their head was on converting printed comic books into digital. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why aren't you guys just doing digital only? Like, why why are you even worried about like print will come to you when you're big? Like, and they were like, no, we really think the market is. Right. People who want to track were, that, individual were, issues or whatever. You were way ahead of something like webtoons, which is basically exactly what you think. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And which honestly, is only a really recent thing. That's like they've only really popped off in the last few years. And honestly, only in the last four or five years has Marvel and DC now made their own digital first comic books, like the uh, DC Bombshells, which completely reimagines the DC universe around the female characters as World War II icons. Um, and that title was digital first. Um, right. It blew up so big that it's now, it's like that was part of that hero click set and all those other things. Yeah, because it was super cool. It was cool, but no, and that's definitely the definition of ahead of your time. Like the Sega Dreamcast was ahead of its time. Had the memory card when you plugged it in, you could see it's like you could see which game you were about to play in the memory card. Uh, you could play yeah. little games on the memory card. I love right. It's so it's so dumb, but I love it so much. Well, and think about how like the memory card completely went away again. Remember, okay, think about this. For a while, everything was saved on game. I and mean, the like PlayStation, the PlayStation. Yeah, it was like the PlayStation, PlayStation is the one who who came out with the memory cards, and it was great. But memory cards were so small back then. Yeah, um, boys, I still got my eight megabyte PS2 memory card sitting right here. Do you remember when like the off brands would sell those massive memory cards that would have like technically five memory cards in it and you would have to like use the digital readout to skip over to other cards to save i never had to do that i do have a I do have an obnoxiously large 32 megabyte one though i'm pretty sure you and i both because dad bought us each one there was one of those memory cards where it was like um you could go to like memory card one memory card two but if you saved something on a different card you had to find it to to play it so like Let's say you put your Final Fantasy save on memory card two and your X-Men save on memory card one. When you put the X-Men disc in, but you were on the disc memory card two, it was like, no, no file saves file found. Start over, and you're like, no, I have files. And you got to go memory card to memory card to memory card until you can find it. Yeah, I love the PlayStation. <laughs> but so the Dreamcast took the memory card and upgraded it. And now you could basically bring it with you with your own controller, plug it into the Dreamcast, and so like you could upload your save and play the character you've developed in your buddy's game. Like right, and if you and if the game supported it, you could play little mini games on your memory card like by itself, like its own little portable device. So all of these things were, were awesome, but they were way ahead of the time. And consoles were like, you know what, memory cards might be a problem. And now they moved ahead to where your information is just digitally saved on the servers now. And so like now if I go, so me and Joey did this, we were doing a draft, but we were both at his house. So I logged in as a guest with my PlayStation account. And so my account and his account were both on the same PlayStation doing the draft. Um, And it uploaded all of my Madden stuff basically to his computer or to his PlayStation while we were doing the draft, which was cool but it's kind of a weird thing to think about that. Like now I can just go anywhere and log in. Yeah. Like it's, it's crazy. Cause like that concept of like taking your files and like putting them somewhere else 
is a hundred percent still around, just in a different format. Right. We've got we've got rid of the memory cards, which is probably for the best. I mean, yeah. I just like I like physical media, so like. Yeah, the memory been card was just like one other thing to buy, one other thing to lose. No, yeah, and that's corrupted. True. Like the worst thing in the world is when you couldn't like the memory card was literally. I mean, that I or you didn't have batteries, so you couldn't take it with you, and it didn't oh, track the no. time. And oh, then when you plugged no. it into the controller and turned the Dreamcast on, it screams at you. Oh. Yeah, that's the best part about the VMU, the screeching. <laughs> so, Sega did that. I mean, <laughs> they also, definitely can we talk about how great it is to have four controller ports? Like, right. Isn't it so nice that you can just automatically hook up four controllers to a console? And, like, and it was no them problem. and the Nintendo 64, and that's it. Yeah, because like PS PlayStation, you do the stupid multi-tap thing, and it like never worked ever. Um, and then I want to say that it's, is it the Switch and the Wii or something like that can add multiple people or something, and people can uh, play on their Switch in the Wii. Is that was that? Am I correct about that? Uh, I don't know about the cross compatibility of those two. I know, I know you could. I know that there was a like in Smash Brothers, you could play with like a 3DS as a controller, and like that's what it was. The 3DS and the Switches could talk. That's what it was. Thank you. I know there was one where they they like literally the handheld could talk to the console, and I was like, what? You can do that with the PlayStation Vita, but PlayStation hates it. Well, everyone hates it. Nobody. I I've seen one PlayStation Vita my entire life. I own one. Never seen it from you. It's in my room all the time. I play Final Fantasy on it. Which Final Fantasy? Uh, 10. Oh, God, you're a nerd. I like that one. Get out of here with that. I like the one that's misnumbered, depending on what country you're on. Oh, uh, six. Six, six or three. Or technically if you're three. American. Yeah. If you're a real bro, you're it's actually Final <laughs> Fantasy three. You're American. I love that, that they skipped a bunch of Final like where America was just like, nah, no one's going to play those. Those are stupid. And then they were like, "They will play six, though. They will play six. I mean, that game is that game is fire. <laughs> it is Final Fantasy six is Final Fantasy six is awesome. It's it's one of the few that I like. I still will actively I, on one of my on my last phone. I actually paid like the ten dollars to put it on my phone, and then I played it maybe once. But, yeah, but yeah, it is one of those things. That every time I see it somewhere, I will be like, I think I need to get that." It's one of the very few games that I would consider buying one of those modded game systems for. Yeah, just so you can play Final Fantasy VI. I would get it for six. I would get it for the old N64 wrestling games. And I would get it for... Mega Man X. That game's the, awesome. The Sega and the Super Nintendo X-Men games. I've never they played like, any of those. They made like four or five X-Men games in that time. and they Are they, have, like, are they all good? They're all side scroller, but some of them aren't bad. Like one of them, you could choose between four. You could switch it out. I think between three or four X Men, and then you could call in like specials from other X Men. Um, that's that's at least cool. a neat way to kind of help cameo in a bunch of the X Men. Um, yeah, because there's a lot of X Men. They don't want really to program are. all these characters. Uh, and then some of the other ones were weren't bad either. I think the, if I remember right, the second Sega one was pretty good. Um, it had Bishop in it, I think. Oh, your favorite character. No, he's really not. Um, but no, so Mortal Kombat's going to come out. Um, that's yeah. going to be a big deal. I like how we all that from Mortal, Mortal Kombat's Kombat. happening. Today is also the last episode of Captain America Winter Soldier. Captain America Falcon Winter Soldier. 
That's a lot of names. I, I, I don't think Captain America is actually in it. It just feels Captain like Captain America it's, Winter Soldier. It's it's Falcon White Winter Claw. Soldier, but it's totally about being Captain America. Like the whole show is about being Captain America. Uh, well, what do they what do they call him at the end of the end of uh, White Wolf? In, White Wolf. There you go. It, it's come up a couple times in this already too. Because he's got his snazzy new arm. Well, um, for those who haven't seen it, I guess slight spoilers. The Dora Milaje get involved in this because Zemo's in it, okay? And Zemo! Unironically, one of my favorite characters. Obviously, the Wakandans feel a certain kind of way about Zemo because Zemo killed uh, T'Challa's father, T'Chaka. Previous king of Wakanda. So... Wait, what? He did? Yeah, he's the guy who blew up in Civil War. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So the so I totally Bucky, forgot that happened. <laughs> yeah. So Bucky and Falcon break him out pretty early in the series because they think that he can help solve their problems. Um, and even as they're even talking about doing it, the Falcon's like, "How do you think the Wakandans gonna feel about this?" And Bucky's like, "I've got it. Don't worry." He's like, "Oh, I forgot. You're the White Panther." He's like, "White Wolf," and he's like, "What?" Uh, and it just keeps coming up. But at one point, so well, the Condens gave him a vibranium arm, okay? So Bucky's got a really cool arm and all of this. Yeah, he's got a super swaggy arm. It's pretty cool. Uh, but at one point, they're fighting him, and basically, they hit, like, the secret off switch that they implanted on his arm, and it just falls right off. Oh, God, terrifying. <laughs> he's kind of looking at him like, how are you going to do that? <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> like, hit the arm off button. <laughs> Just but it's literally it, like she just kind of like off. yeah she just kind of like shoulder pokes him like with her fingers and the arm just kind of like turns off and falls off and he's like uh what <laughs> after the fight the falcon's like uh did you know they could do that and he was like no i did not <laughs> yeah if you're gonna give someone a super sick weapon you gotta you gotta also give them a way to turn it off right which i thought was a neat thing like Yes, the Wakandans trust Captain America, but maybe they don't trust Bucky, but also they certainly would safeguard Vibranium and they would safeguard any weapons they released into the world. Like, Right, especially if you're going to be like, all right, if this guy ever comes to me, at least I have a thing where it's like, all right, you just tap him on the shoulder and his arm <laughs> stops working. <laughs> it's like it fell completely off. And you're not supposed to laugh at that, but it was real funny. I mean, look, there's some times where you're like, yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And the look on his face was like, uh, WTF. Like, he's just sitting there, like, huh? Didn't know he could do that. Hmm. Well, that's totally useless. Uh, enjoyable. Understandable. Thank you. Also, ah. he, he makes a really funny comment in a different episode. They're working on something, and there's like some steam and stuff, and he puts his hand in there and he messes with it. And after he's done fixing it, the Falcon goes, How come he didn't just use a robot arm? And he goes, well, I'm right-handed, so I don't always think about it right away. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of a funny line. Like I was like, that's funny. I like that. Because I don't know that I would always remember I had a robot arm. Yeah, especially if you're like trying to concentrate. And you're like, oh yeah, robot arm. Duh. Right. Oh, oh, right, right. I can just yeah, robot arm. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> robot arm. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then also there's only I think two episodes left of Invincible, one this week and one next week. So No, it can't be over. I'm so invested. So much uh, so much it's gotta wrap itself up in two episodes. So I'm so sad. I'm I love excited. that show so much. 
it honestly, you had never read the invisible, the invincible comic books, have you? No, this is totally, this is all new to me. I honestly, uh, what do you think so far? I really like it. I'm really enjoying it. I think this is probably the best adaptation I've ever seen. Like, it's super close to the comic book, but still awesome. So good. I'm so happy. Also, that fight at the end of the episode one is probably the best five minutes of cartoon. Oh, it was brutal. Oh. In the, probably a long, long time. It's probably the most well-done five minutes of a cartoon. I Like, just watching it for the first time, like, when you were like, oh, get ready for episode one. I watched it, and I was like, well, I mean, everything's pretty normal. And then I got to the very end, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> he just tears through them. And you're like, what? What? Why is he doing that? And there's no music, and it's terrible. Yeah, no music, and it's awful, and like... And it's brutal, and just like the noises they're making as they're getting punched by like Superman. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, like it's, it's it's something else. I really, really enjoy Invincible. Uh, also, it kind of blows my mind that these are 45-minute animated episodes. It is definitely a weird decision that they made, right? Like, I can't think of another hour-long animated anything. Right. Like, almost everything, like, everything else is, oh, that's animated is, like, 26, 26, or a movie. Like, there's no, right. there's, like, this type of show animated just doesn't happen, which is kind of insane. <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. I also think it kind of secretly means that these were... Like, if originally pitched to be 22 minutes each, 16 episodes or something, and instead they were like, what if we just did eight really good ones? Right. And it, I think it helps the flow a lot. I think each episode has its own, like, great, like, story and arc, and, like, everything finishes, and you're like, well, I want to know what happens, but this section is feels complete. Right. Um, I think they've done a great job just, like, the music choices – Run the Jewels, different different songs and all that. I yeah, think the really, music has been really good. And the characters that they're introducing are integral. They're really great. Um, I'm I'm just I'm this first season has been amazing. Also, um, I read an announcement the other day. Uh, I want to shift gears a little bit. So just talking about amazing cartoons. You know, one of my favorite cartoons is Final Space. Yeah, this has been an absolute Cinderella story of a cartoon. If you don't know. Essentially, the creator, I think his name is Orin or Olin. It's an odd name. It's a little four-letter name. Orin or Olin. Um, Rogers, I think, is his name. He was basically part of like a comedy group that had a website, and they would do little animated shorts occasionally, and he was the animator. And one of them that he fell in love with that he created was a concept uh, that had a different name at the time, but it eventually becomes Final Space. He wins a contest where they give him like a $10,000 grant, he uses that to make like an eight-minute pilot. Um, that eight-minute pilot, he he premieres it on his YouTube channel, and within the first day of him posting it and kind of going to bed and just leaving it alone, he gets emails from tons of people, including Conan O'Brien's company production company Konico, and Konico sits down with him and helps him kind of refine his pitch and then they sign on as executive producers they brought on an experienced showrunner to help kind of guide it then they got adult swim tbs and a couple other companies into a bidding war for the first season 
Um, and every season has jumped around. It's been different places because each season, I think someone else kind of swoops in and is like, hey, we want a part of this. Um, and so the third season is about to debut on Adult Swim here very, very shortly. And I am incredibly pumped. That's so cool. Uh, it's definitely a neat story because it's been like a five-year kind of road trip where each year after the series, after the season is over, it's kind of like a – it was a one-year deal type thing. So is someone going to pick it up, blah, 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 blah. And then they find a new home and a bunch more money and they keep <laughs> – he was saying how he has basically like a third of the budget of a Rick and Morty episode. Um, and he's like, but we make it work. Yeah. And that's why, I like, going back to Living Soul just for a second, like, kind of ridiculous because it's so, like, those episodes are so long and animation is not cheap and it doesn't look bad. No, it looks great. They really went all out on it, which I appreciate. I think that this is, we've talked about this before, but Robert Kirkman has been very selective about what kind of deals he would get into for his projects. The Walking Dead was an older comic book by the time AMC got involved in the show. They were already 50, 60 issues in before AMC even got involved, um, which is sort of makes it interesting in the fact that the series was going to follow, but not too close to the comic books because it let readers know, like there are things coming that are already like, by the time the walking dead came out, Negan was already a character in the comic book. Right. And then you think about like Negan is like six up six series, six seasons in or whatever. Seven seasons, I think. I think that he debuts in the 60s and then he kills Glenn at the start of season seven. Yeah. Like, oh. he literally, very last episode of season six starts season seven. Right. And, like, there's just this kind of. Uh, like it took seven years to get there. <laughs> right. And, and on top of that, at that point, the comic book ended. The comic book ended right around that time, also. Uh, but he was very selective about because he wanted the show to feel. He wanted the show to be taken seriously, be done. I'm going to use the word bigly. <laughs> he wanted the show to be done bigly. He wanted it to feel massive in scope. And you can't do that if, you know, uh, some nobody studio comes in and says, hey, we want to buy the TV rights. Which is what a lot of happens. Listen, there are tons of times when somebody whoops and hollers and is like, hey, I sold my rights to my thing. And all the, in, in all the creator groups I'm in, you see guys every day who are selling their rights to different companies. Some of these things are never going to get made. Uh a lot of them. And I'm not saying that to be a hater or to be rude. The reality is we've gotten a little bit of a glimpse how things work behind the scenes as we've progressed through Nerds Like Radio. And the truth is a lot of these deals are like first look deals or control deals or, you know, they the next five years and all they gave up was like $10,000 or $20,000. But that doesn't mean they're ever going to make it. It just means that like they control it for a bit. They control it. So they'll shop it to another studio who shops it to another place. Etc. Etc. Famously, the movie Goodwill Hunting almost never got made, um, because when Matt Damon and Ben Affleck sold it to the first studio, that studio, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were dead set. Um, they had they had they had a the deal they made was that they they would get to be the two roles in the in the movie that they got that they're in. Mm-hmm. and that they could name their director. And the director they wanted wasn't available in the window that they had the contract with the studio. So the studio says, okay, listen, um, 
they were coming up on the end of the first year of their deal, and the the studio wanted to use another director who wanted to cast. It was like Leonardo DiCaprio and somebody else in the roles. Mm-hmm. And Matt Damon and Ben Affleck said, "Okay, let's let us look around and shop this deal, and if we can find someone else." To buy you guys out because the other company, the other studio had already uh, paid them a million dollars for the script. And if you could find someone else to, to, to buy out the script, then you're out. And the studio said, fine, but if you can't find someone to buy the script, when it comes back to us, you're out. Like you're done. Right. Um, and that was so Kevin Smith had already worked with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and, and some other stuff. Actually, specifically, he'd worked with Ben Affleck a couple times already. And I guess the trade papers had come out and revealed that Goodwill Hunting was on the hunt for a new studio. And Kevin Smith was like, what are you guys doing? Like, get that movie made already. And Ben Affleck was like, can you get us a meeting with Miramax, which is Harvey Weinstein and all that. And so they did, and the rest is history. But Kevin Smith kind of had to vouch for them and, and convince Miramax to buy out the other studio and to invest in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um. But, like, that's what happens a lot of times behind the scenes is these things don't get – like, imagine how close we were to not having Goodwill Hunting ever get made or get made completely differently. Right, totally different cast, director, like, might as well just be a new movie. Right, yeah, different actors, different director, no Robin Williams, no Matt Damon, no Ben Affleck. Um, probably the person who, been, who hurt, gets hurt the most from that is Matt Damon. There's a chance you probably never see Matt Damon – like his star rise from that. No, not Matt Damon. Matt Damon. But just, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that goes on behind the scenes with these projects. So when people sell these scripts, it's not always a given that they're going to turn out the way they're supposed to turn out. And that was one thing about Robert Kirkman is that he's been incredibly selective about who's going to get involved in these projects. I think it's funny that Steven Young is in both of them. Yeah. <laughs> I do think that's interesting. Also, do you did you see who the producers are on Invincible? I did not know. It's Seth Rogen and his production partner. Oh, look at that. They're the ones who also did Preacher. And I think that it was Preacher that convinced Robert Kirkman to let them do Invincible. I mean, yeah. They're connected. And there's a lot of there's a lot of things and I think it's really cool. Invincible's done, right? Like it's been done for a while. Uh yeah. Yeah. He finished he wrapped up Invincible and Walking Dead within like a year of each other. He just kind of – he then spent like a couple of years doing nothing. Uh, and now he's good for him. actively involved again in his – his imprint with Image is called Skybound. Mm-hmm. And Skybound has been putting out a lot of stuff this year. That's good. The last couple of years, I should say. Because so you, you always talked about Invincible beforehand. I did. I Listen, this was one of those ones where – I hate to be this guy, but I'm this guy a lot of times. We're like, yeah, it, it was great. It, it, it was great 10 years ago, 12 years ago. When it came out, when Robert Kirkman first hit the scene, it was right after I graduated high school. And I, would see, I think we've talked about this on the show before, where I was sort of jealous of his trajectory. He just exploded onto comic books. Like he just, ex- Walking Dead Invincible would, came out within four months of each other. Uh, he had pitched a couple of things that never really developed. Um, Science Dog and Tech Jacket are two of the other projects that he always would kind of push. Science Dog never happened. Tech Jacket had like a mini series and then it went away. The reality is like Robert Kirkman, he back to back made two of the biggest comic books uh, of modern comics 
Yeah, like of the early 2000s. Like, well, and look at they're still shaping pop culture now in 2021. Um, he is he is the he is the papa bear of what is modern pop culture, uh, and I don't think that that's unfair or far off. Um, I think it's him. Uh, depending on how these next few projects go for Mark Millar with Netflix, there might be a chance that he's kind of in that same category because a lot of these projects started out as brilliant independent comic books too. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a, the way he's taken off has been crazy. Uh, but yeah, I, I was very early on in Invincible. I bought the first trade with issue seven for both Invincible and Walking Dead. Um, within a couple of weeks of each other and was like, both times I was like, come on, uh, really? Like it was, it was annoying how good they both were. <laughs> um, we're going to jump out to a break here. When we come back, we got more Nerd Thug Radio coming your way. The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More is a wonderful store located right there on 1488 in Conroe. That sells comic books, gaming cards, gaming accessories, board games, as well as all kinds of fun nerd assorted accessories. This is Corey DLG of Nerd Thug Radio. Just reminding you that if you're interested, and if you're bored, if you got some free time, if you wanted to go hang out at an interesting or fun place, the adventure begins should be an option you consider. Everything from D&D Adventures League to miniature painting uh, to even competitive card play and even competitive gaming events all those things occur at the adventure begins comics games and more interested parties should absolutely check out the facebook page for more information this is rudy town Johnovitz and welcome to nerd thug radio welcome back to nerd thug radio right here on 104.5 106.1 these sister stations streaming worldwide at irlonestar.com as always, you can check out facebook.com backslash nerdthugradio. That's where the magic happens. Nico's posting those boudoir photos any day now. Any day now. Put them up on the page. You're going to see them on the bearskin rug a la Burt Reynolds. It's going to be amazing. Right? Yeah. Right? Right. Uh, before we go any further, Nico, go ahead and tell our friends about The Adventure Begins, comics, games, and more. Uh, please. Ah, yes. Uh, the Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and More is open and at full operating hours. You are going to need a mask if you want to come inside. But if you wanted to be even safer, they do have delivery and curbside options available. They do have some events rolling back up. April 23rd, that's today, at 6 p.m. is the uh, Star Wars X-Wing Casual Meetup. Uh, at also at 6 p.m. still on Friday is the Team Yankee slash Flames of War meetup. I think this is a, a war game. It's a pretty pretty intense looking one. It's like uh, a World War II one, right? Yeah, it's like tanks and stuff. It's pretty neat. Uh, I've talked to a few of the guys that play there. They're real nice guys. Uh, Let me guess, start playing that now too. No, I don't have enough money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've, I'm low running low on the funds. Oh my gosh, we're going to have some nerd games. I know, man. I was literally thinking the other day that I might sell my hero clicks. It's a tragedy. Is Saturday, it? April 24th at 2 p.m. is the Pokemon play. And at 6 p.m., April 24th, uh, is Hammer Time. Warhammer Tabletop meetups are back. 
So you can come hang out in the store and do that on Woo! Saturday. The Adventure Woo! Begins comics games and more. They have all your nerd needs, all your gaming stuff. You got all your comic books. You can even find your comic book there, I think, still, maybe. Are uh, they sold out? So DMA is now officially, DMA issue one is now totally sold out. There are still a couple copies of Another Day at the Office issue one. DMA issue two, I hope, I, I cross my fingers and pray to the gods. This weekend, we're putting it to bed. Monday, we go to print, which means issue two will be in stores maybe in two weeks. And then we're going to we're gonna go back to another day at the office and do issues two and three real fast. Yeah. But yes, DMA number one is now sold out. There is not a store in Texas you can buy copies of. Oh, wow. Uh, there were some copies that went to a store in Oklahoma. Um, and they ordered even more copies of issue one uh, in, this, in the last Kickstarter I did. But they will be the last ones in the wild. Look at that. You're a real comics professional. I am. Actually, after this, after I do all this mail out, I think uh, I'm looking at inventory yesterday. I think I'll be totally out of issue one. Like, I think I'll, I'll have like maybe three or four copies. That's it of issue one after I do all the mail outs for this Kickstarter. Wow. That's exciting. That's good news. Um, yeah. That means uh, I means I own almost as many copies as you. <laughs> yeah. I keep. I keep one copy of everything. I, I and I don't sign it or anything. I don't. I don't know. Um, so when I didn't on the last one I did, I mailed them out, and and a couple people were like, "You didn't sign mine." And I honestly, I didn't even think about it because in my head, I'm like, "Who wants my signature?" But then a couple people were like, "Yeah, man." So I was like, "All right, well, if you see me somewhere, I'll sign it." But it was definitely gotta come find you. Yeah, it's now gonna I'm be like, like it's gonna be like the Carmen San Diego. Where in the world is Corey DLG to sign my comic book that I bought from him? Well, and and hopefully now as we get out more and more in public, you know that'll give them the opportunity to know where we're gonna be. It would be weird if they came to my house. I mean, look. I mean, I'm not gonna here. kick them out. Like, hey, big fan, appreciate you. I like me too. Um, <laughs> I'm a pretty big fan of myself as well. I, I also read my comic book. Um, <laughs> I hope so. Be weird if I didn't, right? Like if I never even looked inside of it. Like, what yeah, if I just... had ghostwriters and all that, and like never looked at it, and, and someone's like, "Tell me about your comic." And I'm like, uh, uh the cover is spicy. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's the people going. It does get the people going. You know what's weird is how many comments and questions I've gotten about that cover. <laughs> That's just, important. People are talking about it. It is, but it's also really annoying because no one's like, I get it. Like everyone wants to be the one who's like, what's up with that cover? And really, when you look at some of the other ones that are out there, it's not even that spicy. No, it's it's relatively tame. It's eye catching for sure, but like Yeah, for a second you're like, whoa, and then you realize like there's literally nothing to it. Right. It's pretty tame, all things considered. <laughs> But it does it does give the illusion of like what? Yeah. But but it, you know it's a good cover. It's a good cover. I think it does its job. It does do its job. It's eye catching. You see it, you take it in, and then you pick it up, and then you open it, and that's literally the first thing comic books have to do. And I will say, sold out on the only shelves in Texas. Yeah. I mean, can't argue with that. That gets results. 
Um, okay. Results, all that, people. I need results. All that being said, uh, yes, make sure to go visit the Adventure Begins, comics, games, and more. Fantastic right. store. Wonderful staff. Love the people there. Great people. All right, I got a bone to pick with... Uh, a skeleton. With, with Marvel. Is, is it... Is it is it about the Method Man show? No, I think that's brilliant. I think that's brilliant. Um, is it about their show? They they just announced their lineup of the X Men. How is there already another? There's like the nineteenth X Men this this week. Well, they have never had an official X Men team until now. Oh, I guess that's fair. They've had a story going on, but they haven't had an official team. All right, what's just the, what's the, the lineup? If it lineup. isn't Colossus, Kitty Pride. Cyclops, I don't want it. <laughs> okay, you're gonna be pretty disappointed. You're gonna be at least two thirds disappointed. Uh, it's Cyclops, Jean Grey, okay, okay, Polaris, Sunfire, okay, okay, Rogue, X23 as Wolverine. Still like it, but okay. And then Sink. Who? He was from the Generation X. He's actually been dead for the last 20 years. He's one of the resurrected mutants. Um, but then he's the eighth X-Men. Okay. That's kind of a weird setup. I mean, I don't hate it. Polaris is a little weird, but like kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. Um, I honestly, I hate it. Fair enough. I hate the lineup. Uh, I think... I like seeing Sunfire. I've always liked Sunfire, though. So here's 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 problem A. All right, where is it? Where did? Yeah, okay. So you're you don't like it. Why do you not like it? Explain. So problem. My first issue is these most of these characters have all been X Men for long periods of time. Sunfire was an already existing character, but he showed up in Giant Size X Men issue one, and he's been associated with the X Men ever since. Polaris, yep, yep. Marvel Girl, and Cyclops are all X Men even longer than that. Yep. Um, so that's half the team right there. Half oh, the so team. you wanted you wanted new X Men. Well, I wanted I wanted a, a better mix of new and old. Um, okay. The Laura as Wolverine thing I don't that doesn't bother me I don't care Wolverine not Wolverine okay fine whatever. Uh, Sync is I think is a cool idea, except here's my problem with that. Um, all or nearly all of the mutants are on Krakoa. This X-Men team is supposed to be operating in the world. Sync's power is to copy mutants' powers. Um, oh, that's super messed. Okay, well, I, I don't even like that. Having like having that person on a team is so not fair. <laughs> well, it's just... It, it, it feels like make, cheating. Well, especially because they also have Rogue on the team. Right, you have two copycats. That's not fair. <laughs> it's dumb, honestly. Uh, but Rogue was doing good in Excalibur. And then Polaris was an X Factor. And so I don't necessarily understand this roster at all. I'm excited yeah. to think as an X Man. I think that's cool. But I, I think it's a silly reach because, again, he copies mutant powers. So he could play off of this X Men lineup wherever they go. But if they're not encountering other mutants, he can't, he's not really that effective of a. Right. Yeah. He's only as good as the people around him, which is never. Right. That's not exactly what you want when you're looking for when you're in a fight. Right. Um, Because what if they get separated? Then he's literally worthless. Also, in this Krakoa era, where literally 
every mutant Marvel has ever made is on the island. You want him there so he can use all of them. Well, but more importantly than that, I just think it's a really uncreative roster. These are all characters who have been X-Men or were in the X-Men family already. Right. Minus, like, Sink, but he's been dead for, like, ever. So. Well, but even Sink, though, he went to the Generation X-Men. was a part of that whole... Yeah, that's fair. Like, he was Banshee's. He was one of Banshee and White Queen's students. He's, he's in the legacy of all of this. Right. Like, that's fair. To me, I would like to have seen a team... What would, Probably what would, like the Matt, what would, like the Matt Fraction Chris Boschlow team that was so different, but still made sense. Where Rogue was so in that in that comic book, Rogue was leading Iceman, Cannonball, Cable, Sabretooth, Omega Sentinel, and Lady Mastermind. Like that's a weird, crazy mix, but it all still fits in the world of the X Men. Right. Um, so what, what would what would your list be like? What would your what would your lineup your new X Men lineup be? So. I don't think you can get away from Cyclops leading it. I think that that's kind of the whole point of this era is to prove that he's the leader. Yeah, he's a leader. He's a leader of a nation kind of concept. And I'm fine with that. Um, I think you do one or two core key X-Men to kind of ground him a little bit. Like this is the X-Men, right? So like a Colossus um, and maybe a Nightcrawler or uh, Marvel Girl or something like that. I think that's fine. Like one of the core key, some of the core key X Men from this era. Maybe I uh, well, Iceman's over. And so I would, first of all, I would try not to steal a character from other lineups. So I would say maybe Colossus has kind of been used in X Force, but he's not. He's not supposed to be part of it. Like he's part of the story, but he's not on the team. Right. So you could bring him. I would use him, and I would use maybe. Um. Yeah, maybe somebody along the lines of like gold balls. <laughs> no, probably not gold balls. But yeah, maybe even Laura as Wolverine to kind of be like, this is X Men, but it's a different era of X Men. But then from there, I would I would really push some boundaries. I would I would do characters that have only been peripheral, or they've been villains, or they've been other things. To kind of show that this is a different type of X-Men, right? Right, like, yeah. So you go like right. Wild Child, Maggot. <laughs> so like I would do Maggot, I think, just because it's like he's he was never really featured in the X-Men as a thing. Like he was always in the background. So I would really want to try and give a character like that some space to really kind of run and see what they could do. Let me go brain chain guy. Uh no, I wouldn't go brain chain. You know who I would do? So I would okay, so Armor. The mo- the Marauders, listen, Armor would be a great fit because she's always been around that kind of, like, I, I, I would even be cool with that. I think Armor would be fun. Maybe her instead of Colossus. Uh, okay, so I would do Cyclops, Armor, X-23. I would do Maggot. But then the other four would all be from different places. They wouldn't be X-Men because this is about a new era of X-Men. This is a different time. We're trying something totally different, right? right. So... Let me get, uh, so from the Marauders, there was a girl, Vertigo, um, and her powers, you know, obviously were to mess with people's minds and blah, blah, blah. Or even one of the ones that was in the voting for fan voting was Tempo, who's from, who's from the Mutant Liberation Front, something like that. Like, I think those are exciting picks. So maybe you put Tempo on there, maybe put Vertigo on there. Um, so now you're up to five. 
and then you put on two you really kind of push the envelope. So Sabretooth was completely banned from the island, right? They put him in a in like a tree of eternity or whatever. Uh-huh. So maybe maybe they put him on this X-Men team because supposedly this X-Men team is supposed to operate off of the island. Right. And then you go, okay, Sabretooth, like this is your chance to prove that you're you know Right. And there's some there's some past dynamics there with like X twenty three and Cyclops because they already know who he is. Right. And it gives him a chance to kind of work off this debt towards the island. Because I don't think prison is the way they want to kind of handle some of these problems. Maybe it is, but I wouldn't think so. And then you get somebody like we haven't seen in a long time, but who's a long veteran of all this, somebody like Banshee or Siren or something like that. And I think I think that would be an interesting X-Men lineup because it's got a lot of past stuff and present and new opportunities because these characters have never been featured before. Right. I feel like there's so many X-Men and I feel like a lot of their teams are very much like they're like oh they always feel like 60% like exactly the same as another team with like one or two extra members where it's like oh we haven't seen Sunspot in this team before. <laughs> right. And they do that a lot. Like they do that a lot where they maybe they only swap out two or three things and like this is a new team. That's like when Joss Whedon came on, he made a really interesting X-Men team but it was only a couple of members, but it was Armor, Shadowcat, Beast, Colossus, Wolverine, Cyclops, White Queen, but you realize like you had never seen most of those characters together on a team before. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, okay, well that's actually kind of an interesting pairing. And so like you really want to I think you want to do something different if you're doing the X-Men. You want to challenge people's expectations of what 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 are the X-Men are supposed to look like. Right. Um and I think if you're literally making an island where all of the mutants can come home and then you go, okay, everyone who's been an X-Men, raise your hand, we'll pick from there. Like, that feels very kind of... Yeah, it's weird to have an X-Men team where, like, this is supposed to be, like, post-mutant world. Like, we got everyone together and somehow, for some reason, we only have X-Men team made of other former X-Men. <laughs> Right, like let's let's push it. Let's make a Omega Red and Exodus some X Men. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, where's like, Toad and the Blob? Like, let's really make it an uncomfortable situation where it's like this is actually them fighting for all mutants. Right. So I don't know. I think that there's some failures in how they kind of built it. <sighs> Who knows? We'll see where they go. Like Jonathan Hickman's, he's on a roll. Like he he he. It's hard for me to say he's doing wrong but I kind of don't love this lineup. Which is fair. I mean, we all have times where like, you're just like, this could have been better. Yeah, and I don't want to be Mr. Negativity. I don't want to poo-poo on it. But I just, when I saw the lineup, I was a little bit like, ah. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense because you're like, it's interesting, kind of. Yeah, but when you've got literally hundreds to choose from and you wind up with six out of the seven who have already been X-Men before, you're kind of like, oh, well, we really... You really tried hard here. Don't worry, guys. I got a new and original team. It's a Cyclops, Colossus, Iceman, Storm. <laughs> uh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think this team's been made before. Not totally original, dude. I created yeah. it. I shuffled the other X Men teams together to make this one. Oh, okay. Like cool. A deck of cards. Cool. Um, it's like a tarot reading, but it's all X Men. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, so I guess we're just about out of time here. Um, hate to end on a complaining note, but that's all right. Um, on we just of want other... them to be better, although we're excited. We do. I we do. 
Uh, on behalf of Little Brother Nico and myself and the Adventure Begins Comics Games and more, same Nerd Thug time, same Nerd Thug channel. As always, wash your hands, stay safe, stay clean. We're almost done with this coronavirus stuff. Uh, they are now basically giving vaccinations away at big mass centers. I'm going to go to the uh, Wood Forest football stadium in the Woodlands this weekend and get, get some vaccination on. Um, yeah, that. they're doing it. I think I also saw they're doing it at Energy Arena and other places. Uh, let's get this thing taken care of before the variants start really coming out and kicking butt. Um, all that being said, we'll see you guys on Monday, 2 p.m. for Nerd Duck Radio.